Hello, everybody, and welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast. This is Peter Ravella, co-host of the show. And this is Tyler Buckingham, the other co-host. You know, Buckingham, every once in a while, we get to go out to your neck of the woods in Southern California. And uh, we are kind of doing that today, only through our guest, who is also a fellow Southern Californian to you. The topic of our show is not a Southern California show, but Rebecca Roth, who is the executive director of the National Estuarine Research Reserve Association, is joining us today to talk about the newest National Estuarine Research Reserve that is being uh, developed on the American shoreline in Connecticut, the Connecticut National Estuarine Research Reserve in Long Island Sound. So we're going to be talking to Rebecca, but Tyler, you know, she's down from SoCal with you. I, I do feel a uh, just instinctive kinship with my fellow <laughs> Southern Californians. Uh, but I'm really excited to turn our attention to the East Coast today, to, yeah. to the state of Connecticut, uh, a, a super industrialized state. You know, this is where uh, for over 100 years, uh, this has been the heart of American industrial capacity, uh, a, a busy working waterfront there. Uh, the Coast Guard has the Coast Guard Academy along the Connecticut coast. And hmm. uh, the, the Navy has major installations along that coast. And there's a strong fishing tradition, beautiful little villages. Yeah. Uh, and now a brand new National Estuary Research Reserve along the coast, uh, bringing all that the National Estuary Research Reserve system brings to uh, this particular piece of coastline uh, as it goes through climate change, sea level rise, all the stuff that is happening all over the country is now going to be studied and looked at under a really cool social and scientific lens that yeah. this particular program brings. And we get to dive into it today, Peter. This is, we love to nerd out on this stuff. We do. And, you know, and Rebecca is so great. You know, we've worked with her for a long time. We did the Fresh and Salty podcast with the National Estuarine Research Reserve Association for a time last year. It was a great show. Uh, these reserve systems are so important on the American shoreline in terms of public understanding and of the complexity of uh, coastal management issues. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fun to learn about the latest and greatest and get a good update from Rebecca Roth. Absolutely. But let's first have a quick word from our sponsors. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and CoastalNewsToday.com are brought to you by LJA Engineering. With 28 offices along the Gulf Coast, the folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration, coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numerical modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. Be sure to subscribe to the Coastal News Today Daily Blast newsletter at CoastalNewsToday.com for daily updates on the events and news that shape the coastal discussion. Want to support the discussion and promote your company? We have sponsorship packages available now. Email me to learn more at chloe at coastalnewstoday.com. That's C-H-L-O-E at coastalnewstoday.com. Hope to hear from you and enjoy the show. Hello, Rebecca Roth. Welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast. It's great to have you on. Oh, it's so great to be in connection with you both again. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a thrill. Um, it's been in the news lately on Coastal News Today and newspapers around the country about the formation of the Connecticut National Estuarine Research Reserve in Long Island Sound, the 30th uh, reserve in the system. Um, if you would, give us an overview of, uh, of what you know about this, and, and is the association uh, excited about this latest addition to the reserve system? Oh, it will be my pleasure. Let me say we are thrilled. Welcome, Connecticut. January 14th, uh, the reserve was formally designated. It came out in the Federal Register, if you can read print that small. Uh, and yes, it's just, uh, it's going to be um, a fabulous addition and complement to this national program. Great for Connecticut and its communities, as well as the other 29 reserves. Um let me say the reserve itself is 52,000 acres in the southeastern part of the state where the Connecticut and the Thames rivers flow into Long Island Sound. So the reserve spans the lower Connecticut River, the lower Thames River, most of the Connecticut waters of eastern Long Island Sound and the western Fishers Island Sound and several state-owned coastal properties in the towns of Groton, Old Lyme, and Lyme. So there are a range of ecosystems 
including coastal forests, grasslands, intertidal marshes, beaches and bluffs, rocky reefs, seagrass meadows, including 36% of the vitally important but imperiled Long Island Sound eelgrass ecosystem. And the other thing I would I would just note is that the area surrounding the reserve does include North America's oldest Indian reservation, the Mashantucket Pequot, as well as many other tribes that are in that area as well. And finally, I would just say that the site itself, the reserve, is uh, supports, well, I think it's more than uh, 1,200 species of invertebrates and over 120 species of fish in total. And nearly 50 of those are listed under the Connecticut Endangered Species Act. Endangered Species Act, excuse me. And they, um, they, will, they live, feed, breed, and stop over in the reserve. So it's, a, it's really rich, um, one of the region's highest uh, for diversity of fish, including Atlantic salmon, the endangered short nose, and the Atlantic sturgeon. Peter, when we first started ASPN, do you remember you wanted to do a Bay and Estuary series? Yes, I did. Because yes. they are so defining to a coastal region uh, from the native, the, the, a, a native people that lived and fed themselves oftentimes on the richness of the estuary all the way through to modern industrial times where these estuaries are still uh, productive environmental features and also supporting sharing the space with uh, industrial uh, uses and fishing and oil and gas exploration all around the country. But, you know, it really is incredible to think about uh, this yep. new designation in Connecticut, an old state, one of the original, <laughs> one of the original thirteen colonies. <laughs> Amazing that it didn't have one. I have to say, <laughs> that it didn't have. One. You yeah. know, I well, I think it's all about the balance, Tyler. You're, you're, these estuaries are so important on the American shoreline, environmentally, biologically, economically, and that's kind of what the reserve system is all about. Um, Rebecca, if you could, you know, as, as an overview for our audience who did not keep up with the Fresh and Salty podcast <laughs> or other shows that we've done on the Estuarine Research Reserve System, uh, tell us about the reserve system, why it is important. Well, the reserve system was created, if you can believe it, 50 years ago by Congress. And it's a national network of places, really important places, living laboratories in coastal communities that have this um, focus on research, looking at how things are changing within their estuary and within their region. And by doing uh, that work, that assessment of change, they're able to provide the communities and states that they're in information for making better decisions. They're able to bring uh, students and teachers in to educate them about the changes in their estuary. They are able to steward land. We're talking 1.4 plus million acres around the country that are protected in perpetuity uh, and used in all sorts of recreational ways, fishing, hunting, commercially and recreationally. And, um, and one of the big sort of additions to the program or maybe highlights, signatures of the program, if you will, is the monitoring of um, water quality and weather at 295 stations around the country. And they are taking in 47 million plus pieces of data annually to help coastal communities address these hazardous situations that they find themselves in with climate change, um, hazardous oil spills, shellfish industry operations, storm damage, and more. They're able to inform uh, locals about what's going on um, based on this this monitoring that occurs in all the places so as a system they're able to be really important locally because they explain and deal with local um, local issues they take in local knowledge dealing with you know native and indigenous populations and their ways of knowing about the land and incorporating that into research doing it collaboratively not just answering um, some ivory tower sort of science question, but answering questions that people and communities need to know about for their way of life um, in dealing with 
you know, the climate issues that we face. Um, and they're able to do uh, be nationally significant because they can together, they can work on uh, regional type projects, national, um, national information about the state of our estuaries and provide um, that information to the nation and not just to their local communities. So it's, it's really, um, it's really amazing group of uh, talented individuals around the country. And they have, again, a real local focus that's nationally significant and adding in Connecticut, um, it's really a, a huge bonus because, you know, we're able to to learn more um, in particular, you know, they um, will improve the understanding of the connection, for example, between oysters, eelgrass and water quality. So each reserve has some special piece of, of research and information that they can help inform kind of national policies and, and ways of, of better uh, managing our coasts. You know, and the other thing that I'm thinking about is that uh, this is no small feat. Uh, 50 years ago, I guess this becomes a national program. Since that time, 50 years, Peter, this is only the 30th yeah. uh, reserve. So this is not something that happens every year. Uh, can you take us through what it means to be federally designated and what that process looks like? I know in the case of uh, this newest reserve in Connecticut that that began uh, maybe way back in 2015. So uh, a long time here. Yes, absolutely. And, and probably before then, to be honest with you, Tyler, um, you know, they started, I think, uh, you know, the designation process, making the request uh, that comes from every governor uh, if they want to have a reserve in their state. Uh, I think that was in 2015. But really, it's kind of the um, the each each reserve site really comes to being because of local community support and desire for this designation, for this protection of this place, and in using it for for research and and as a as an indicator of change of what's going on in the environment. So back when they made the request. Um, that goes formally to the Secretary of Commerce, which is um, handled through NOAA. Um, and so the administrator of NOAA accepts this uh, each proposal as a designation and process. Um, they get to decide and they decided, yes, we want this Connecticut reserve. So let's go ahead and start the process. And then it really, you know, and, and I want to just pause and give a huge shout out to the work done by the Connecticut Department of Energy and Environmental Protection. Uh, they started this process um, in collaboration um, and in concert with the University of Connecticut um, and the Connecticut Sea Grant Program and the local nonprofits, the, the local Audubon chapters in Connecticut uh, really took this on to uh, start community meetings to hear from you know people around the state about their interests and explain to them what a reserve could do could benefit for their communities um, they then go through an environmental review process that's pretty substantial and requires um, you know input uh, and uh, public hearings they come up with a they actually put together a group that that looks at where should the site be so they don't go in and say it's going to be um, placed here in Connecticut. They look to see um, what uh, what sites would be the best and most appropriate for the, the research. So they have a site selection committee process, which has happened. And then ultimately, um, as I said, all of this goes through environmental review and comments are taken in and then uh, NOAA makes the designation determination as they did. So. Yes, many years later, yeah. uh, you get to the celebration point that we're at now. Well, it is time to pop the champagne at the offices up there, Rebecca, at the National Estuarine Research Reserve Association. You got a new member, uh, and it is. It's what's great about this program. It's it's embedded in NOAA and the Office for Coastal Management, but it is absolutely a ground-up, locally-driven process. Totally. Which is one of the fundamental characteristics of these reserve systems and the science that goes into it. 
Uh, and that's what's in- incredible. All of the partnerships that have to come together, Tyler, to make this thing come together. Well, uh, and stuff. I, I oftentimes think that that is the breakdown in um, coastal policy generally and uh, ocean management, whatever it is we're trying to do. We, we're disconnected. I, we talk about siloing. But what is so neat is when you have a true grassroots, community-led yeah. uh idea that starts with hey you know let's let's preserve and conserve this space because it means something to us and then it means something to the state of connecticut it starts off with a regional people who are are activists on the ground and start convincing their neighbors and convincing their friends that yeah. hey wouldn't this be a great idea and you know what that and then it go, works its way all the way up to the federal government i mean yeah. i mean here we are living in this <laughs> I don't want to say dystopia, but I mean there is a, the, the 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 trust and faith yeah. in uh, yeah. the broader federal government is oftentimes in modern society yeah. lacking, yeah. and there's a lot of skepticism about coastal management broadly in the community about how the government, the big government, is going to come in and and mess things up. And here we have an example yeah. of an actual mainline artery with ideas, resources flowing from the federal government to these local communities for science, for research, for education and outreach. Uh, the the benefit of being able to yeah. have a facility where the children can go and start learning about climate change at a young age and learning how it's changing those spaces and seeing how the ecology and whatnot is adapting. I mean, this is hugely valuable, I believe, for, yeah. for our nation. And uh, man, it's just it's just such a cool program. Sorry to just jump in on no, that, no, Rebecca, no, but I, I just I have to say I do get excited. Well, that Rebecca, that is one of the strengths of the program is is that it's community driven and locally driven. And uh, I I think Tyler, you're right. The observation that it reinforces the the quality. That's kind of rare. Yeah, the conversation between our federal government as an active positive player and our local communities on big issues is great to see this stuff happen, Rebecca. It's one of the attributes oh, of the association, I think. Yeah, and I just, I just two things that come came to mind as I was, you know, uh, I thought Tyler was just sweet talking me here, but he's really <laughs> doing a great job. But two things that come to mind when we talk was. about education <laughs> is that the, the <laughs> I have to also um, give a shout out to the brand new Margaret A. Davidson Fellowship Program which um, has been, again, thanks to Congress, a huge shot in the arm for all 29 uh, reserves, because Connecticut wasn't on board when we we started the the new fellowship program, gosh, two years ago. And this is a place for graduate students to dig into a local community issue and also get professional training and knowledge and experience with with their cohort of fellows. So this is yet another way that the reserve is able to give back from a you know um, an education opportunity and you know, help create that next generation and and give them the professional skills they need. And I, I would I would also note that the other incredible benefit of a reserve is that it you know we did a uh, we did a couple or noaa did the office for coastal management did studies on the economic benefit of research reserves and we know around the country having a reserve in your community in your state creates jobs it has an economic benefit to to just the designation alone and we know we know what estuaries do for our economy just in general but when we're looking at reserves they are contributors to their local and state and federal economies so i would just note that there's there's so many wins uh for the state of connecticut and for any um any of our reserves uh communities where they're located and it's it's just nice to see um, it's nice to see that um, they're going to be able to reap all of those benefits and the national program will be um, getting back from from the work done in Connecticut to to benefit other other science that's being worked on. Well, it's all good and important stuff. And it's th- this educational focus, the Margaret A. Davidson Fellowship Program that you mentioned. Uh, if folks are is that open now? And if folks are interested in being a, a fellow under the Margaret Davidson Program, is that available? And how, do, how would they learn more about it? 
so they would learn about it through the universities. They could go for the, to the Office of Coastal Management's website. We did just um, we did just close the application uh-huh. um, period. For sorry to our listeners, okay, <laughs> to your next listeners. Year. Next year, um, though. Right, but in it, it, they're doing it right now. It's every two years. Possibly, oh. it will be every year. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, again, we're we're figuring it out as we go along. But uh, right now, it's on the two-year program. So uh, we have actually sixty-second videos of every fellowship project on the Nero website, so that if people wanted to see what they were working on and get a visual of what it looks like at each site, that's one way to do it. Well, these National Estuarine Research Reserves are very important uh, in terms of improving our understanding of coastal areas, uh, the science of of that, and the management of these areas absolutely uh, produces a lot of benefits to have the focus. Um, So a big uh, uh, applause, as you mentioned, the Connecticut Department of Energy and Environmental Protection, uh, the University of Connecticut Marine Sciences Department, NOAA, Connecticut Sea Grant, Connecticut Coastal Management Program, the National Estuary Program people. I mean, this is really uh, a a great event. So you mentioned that January 14th in the Federal Register, the official announcement of the formation of the Connecticut National Estuary Research Reserve was made official. Um, What happens from here? How does this thing get stood up? Um, Do we know who's going to be the executive director or run it? What do we know from here? What happens next? Good questions. Good questions. So um, the University of Connecticut is now taking the reins um, in managing the reserve. And that means hiring staff um, to help implement the management plan and the vision that has been set out by the community and the state here. So we're expecting that we're going to have... staff for this reserve, I would say in the summer. Sounds like that's the approximate timeline, which isn't that isn't that uh, far off. Um, And like all of our other reserves, the vast majority of their funding uh, does come through congressional appropriations. So um, we're crossing our fingers that under the fiscal year 22 uh, appropriations uh, bills that are being still debated in Congress, that extra money is put in to to help pay for the Connecticut Reserve operations. And this is, again, a federal-state partnership. So this program um, requires um, a match by by the state agency. They obviously are contributing all the land. So it's in no way just dependent on this Mm -hmm. federal funding, which is, is really fantastic. But um, and OCM, the Office for Coastal Management within NOAA, they have put in a tremendous amount of work to make this designation happen, working with, uh, you know, Connecticut's Department of Energy and Environment Protection and the University of Connecticut. And they will continue to provide their expertise and support um, technical services in getting the staffing in place and helping them get the infrastructure so that they too can be part of the the mon- the water quality and weather monitoring that occurs around the system and and you know the education programs and the training for decision makers and the fellowship program so they're um, it's going to be it's going to be a crazy ride this year but um, buckle up because there we're we're really excited there's going to be a lot of cool things coming out of the state Nifty. That's exciting. It really is. And I'm going to lobby. I'm going to lobby right now. Congress, make sure <laughs> the NOAA budget has been well treated this year so far in the uh, the new administration and uh, funding for the National Estuarine Research Reserve in its 50th year, Tyler. This is a key program and it's very affordable and it does is damn it, good is stuff. It, is Come it too on. crazy to say we should just double it? We should double it. I think we should double down. <laughs> oh, no, I do. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm biased, but I, I really do think we should. <laughs> the value is good. It's there. The value is real good. And uh, this program 50 years in, I think is is worth it, uh, is, is the evidence of just how much it is, is worth it because uh, you, th- I mean, I'm I'm on the nira.org, ladies and gentlemen, is the website for the National Estuarine Research Reserve Association, uh, which Rebecca leads, and uh, right there on the homepage, you are confronted with uh, not only some of the top line statistics about just the the number of of acres and and data points and all that stuff that these uh, great reserves do, but there's also a map hmm. of uh, the United States and. Uh, you can really see just how where these things are 
and I do have to say, uh, Connecticut over there, just totally surrounded by other reserves. I bet it would be an amazing trip along the Northeast. Wow. The Eastern Seaboard to go from reserve to reserve to reserve. Rebecca, I imagine you have done that. <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> I have I, not been to all the reserves. No. I would. I would love I've to been, do that. I've done it virtually. I we did a road trip this summer on our website, so we have uh, we have pictures of all of them. And let me tell you, all my children are beautiful. Of course. Uh, you know, here's what's interesting for folks around the country who are not familiar with the Connecticut shoreline. This, this is, as uh, Rebecca mentioned, this is going to be run by the University of Connecticut's campus in Groton. Huskies? Connecticut. Yeah, the Yukon Huskies. Damn good. Uh, yeah, basketball. <laughs> of course, the best women's basketball program in, in the world. Yeah, in history. Right. In history. Yeah. Uh, but... What's interesting about Groton, Connecticut, is this is the home of Electric Boat, which is the location of the Electric Boat is the manufacturer of submarines for the United States Navy and has been for 100 years. So all of the nuclear-powered submarines that the the U.S. Navy operates are built in Connecticut in this reserve. And, and and, And the headquarters of the reserve is in the same town. So this just sort of indicates how there's sort of like this... These uh, programs are not meant to, you know, pr- are not preservation programs. Of, no, hey, not. Nobody gets to be in here. This is this is set aside. These are how do we how do we manage the coast and our economic uh, demands on the shoreline in a way that's as healthy as it can be. And I just think it's cool that this one happens to be located where electric boat is one of the is the Navy's submarine shipyard. And that's a serious that is a serious manufacturing facility in that town. And there are several, uh, I don't know if municipality is the right word, but certainly, uh, you know, small cities uh, along the coast there that uh, are, you know, inhabited. There are full-time residences. There are governments that uh, deal with the local, uh, you know, issues of these coastal communities as we see everywhere. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because when you give a community or a you know a, a coastal region like this the estuary uh the national estuary reserve designation what you do is you create a new management umbrella hmm. and a new frame That's in which to, to think of the net the the interconnectedness of the region through the the estuary and i just think that that is like an incredibly beneficial yeah. new frame to think about a coastal region all of these different things you know for example electric boat like you referenced is not only of extreme national importance but employs a lot of people there's yeah. you know there's going there's going to be a huge uh, contingent of people that are directly connected to that uh, facility in that company and so Absolutely. it just this is a it's it's a it's a really cool kind of new frame very visionary to think that this is 50 years old is incredible i'm so grateful that 50 years ago yeah they did this because what a tool we have now this new frame of thinking about our a region of infrastructure and development and governments but now we can think about it under and 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 in fact are bound by uh, this designation, Rebecca. What do you think of that? Am I am I uh, nutso? Lo- that was good, Tyler. <laughs> no, I again, <laughs> I'm loving it, and I'm I also want to say it's not just nationally. There are, you know, this this new reserve encompasses areas that are recognized as wetlands of international importance by the Ramsar Convention. So it's you know one of you know three areas that we have for the reserves that have that. Um, designation. The Ramsar Convention on Wetlands International Importance has been designated to the wetlands at Elkhorn Slough um, in California, Tijuana River in California Reserve. So two of our other reserves have have had that special designation. And now we have uh, Connecticut, which wetlands are, are internationally recognized as significant. So, I mean, it's it's not just you know what we think here, what they think in local Connecticut uh, communities. It's it's much bigger than that. It's really important, um, you know, for the long term for future generations. Well, happy birthday to the National Estuarine Research Reserve in Connecticut and Long Island Sound. That's really 
a fantastic addition to the reserve system, Rebecca, and uh, so glad that the work of the association in Congress has been uh, so, so important in maintaining uh, federal support for this program. Um, looking ahead, tell us what's going on in the association. What are you thinking about and doing these days? What are you thinking about for 2022? What's up with you and your organization? Well, 2022 is an exciting year, I have to say, because um, the research reserve system is time-tested, mission-ready, and growing. Um, It's not stopping with Connecticut. We've got two other reserves that are in the designation process. We have two other sites that are requesting to be designated. So there's a lot of growth that's happening, and we've just been appreciative, I think, as Tyler mentioned, that we are partners um, with NOAA and their support for this program and for its growth. Um, we are looking to grow the budget to $42 million and to make a substantial increase so that we can better support the nation in a this bargain. work. Don't you think $42 million? Come on. It's, it's, it's a bargain. It's a bargain. Well, well, and you know, like I said, we're, we're lucky with good partners and, you know, Congress is, in, you know, has trusted the reserve system and made some investments through the infrastructure bill. And so that's been fantastic. So we're really looking to, um, you know, continue to figure out um, the best ways to build capacity so that we can increase and improve upon information that's shared and used locally. Um, and further our, our, I think our, our very good track record of including the community in decision making and including the community in in um, reaching the local knowledge that they have about the estuary and the functioning within the region. So that's that's huge on the horizon for us this year. Um, and then the other thing I would note um, coming up again this year, um, our biannual partnership meeting um, for the Social Coast Forum, which I Yay. know you both are. Very love, familiar with. This is where it. NOAA, through the Office uh, for Coastal Management, actually um, takes that leadership role in using social science to help us get at and deal with climate change. And this year, uh, because of the COVID restrictions, um, we were already thinking about, you know, what were we going to do if the forum itself in South Carolina wasn't able to occur in bringing people together. And we had decided on a combination approach, trailblazing this into regional local forums or regional forums around the country, where um, I think we're looking at nine, eight or nine uh, host sites around the nation that will have many forums to gather, you know, folks locally and talk about social science. Um, We had to lop off the big in-person 250 plus people um, in South Carolina, but we are going forward with the regional forums in March. So, um, and we expect in two years, we'll have a different way of doing things where we not just gather in a big group, but we also connect regionally and really try to walk it like we talk it by having a a better um, opportunity for belonging and not you know, just limiting it to people that could travel and, and, you know, people that didn't have the people that maybe had funding challenges, but really making it a more inclusive type of a conversation around social science and how we use that to further our work and climate change and other you know, key coastal management issues that matter, you know, to everybody. I definitely, uh, I'm, <laughs> the Social Coast Forum is so cool ladies and gentlemen uh it 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 is uh we're huge fans and we're also uh connoisseurs i suppose you could say peter of the (laughs) broader ocean coastal kind of professional conference scene yeah and uh this is uh kind of a unique i think trailblazing uh type of conference uh forum where really you know as it says the social coast the focus is on uh, the social science and solving uh, what I think are really the big issues of our society right now, which is that we can't agree on fricking anything. And yet the world can, is presenting uh, a reality for our coastal communities. And I, I would even go beyond that and say communities everywhere mm-hmm. where we will have to work together and adapt and mm-hmm. restructure uh, 
the, some of the ways that we operate and yeah. um that requires social connection and uh empathy and you know things that let's just say when we're talking to engineers about uh the you know a flood protection plan they're not oftentimes thinking about uh those components but yeah. indeed the grassroots the people the people the 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 folks that will ultimately be either supporting your project or not yeah. and um as we have seen peter uh at asbpa this year we saw an interesting presentation from the lieutenant governor of Louisiana, yeah, which looked to me to be on the Mid-Barataria Sediment Diversion Project on the Lower Mississippi River. Yeah, that's correct, and that looked to me to be a very political maneuver to oppose kind of this big, expensive shore protection plan. But although, as we have done, we've done pretty exhaustive. Uh, I don't want to say reporting. We're not reporters, but we've interviewed a lot of yeah. people and really yeah. done a lot of a lot of uh, research and work covering uh, that particular issue. And I got to say, the sediment diversion plan seems to make a lot of freaking sense. To and me. scientists, to me, and a lot of scientists support it. But let me tell you, there was a political opportunity to uh, derail something and uh, maybe benefit from that. And in this political climate right now, people do that kind of thing. Yeah. And I just think that on the coast when we're we're going to be confronted with uh anxiety uh around climate change um having mm -hmm. a bedrock of uh learning how to work with each other and i think that that's really something that we took away from from the social coast yeah i mean rebecca it's it's it it's the f hallmark of the estuarine research reserve system is this collaborative grassroots work together we got to figure it out attitude and the Social Coast Forum, which uh, Tyler and I both agree is one of the most innovative coastal conferences out there, and I sure hope it comes back, and I'm glad to hear you're moving oh, ahead definitely. with it. You know, I just think it's important. We, we, we believe in what you do. Um, what's the secret? Why? How, you know, how did you guys come up with the Social Coast Forum? Because I just am just such a fan of it as a coastal uh, event. I would love to take credit for it, but I cannot. This is a brainchild of uh, Margaret A. Davidson, uh, who, uh, working for the Office of Coastal Management, said, we've got to get out in front of social sciences. They're not just nice to have in terms of how we manage the coast. It's absolutely essential. And so Margaret, along with her team, um, uh, at that time, it was the Coastal Services Center, they put together... Um, a pilot yeah. of the Social Coast Forum, and it has been hugely popular. I mean, every year it sells out. So I think you guys have it right. I think it's the, it is the people component of what we do that is the most challenging, the most perplexing. Um, but what we know, if we know nothing from this pandemic, is that they, uh, you know, people all around the country, myself included, are looking to the coastal areas, the outdoors, the research reserves as this refuge, you know, this this place of get outside, wow. you know, you don't need the mask on and and you can really, um, you know, you can really connect with with the environment, with nature. I mean, that's been I mean, our reserves have been in demand uh, in numbers that they, we've never seen because, you Is know, the right? communities and people are taking advantage of the trails, of the kayaking, of, you know, the safety and the peace of mind that comes with, you know, the enjoyment of the coast. So it is the people that I think we really need to continue to focus on. And that's what this this forum does on looking at social sciences, um, because we know, um, you know, you can build a wall from here to China, but you cannot necessarily, maybe you can't do that, but you can build it. But it's very different in changing and, and understanding people's behaviors and motivations and 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 getting people to be a part of it you know tell me i'll forget show me i might remember involve me and i understand awesome. and i think that's where that's where it gets at it awesome i love it it's all true here's the thing i want to know is it can you tell us you mentioned that we've got this is the 30th reserve the new connecticut mm -hmm. reserve and you said there's a couple more in the wings um mm -hmm. what are we talking about you got anything down here in texas for tyler and i what what are the new what are the other <laughs> what are the other well, reserves coming down the road we are looking at Louisiana, um, which is which is in the Gulf, um, yeah. and that is in process. So, uh, the administrator of NOAA uh, definitely started the process that um, the uh, OCM, the Office for Coastal Management mm -hmm. staff, has been working 
with folks in Louisiana on. We yeah. have um, another in um, in Wisconsin. It's uh, Green Bay, um, Green Bay area. So okay. that is also very much moving along in process. And we have two um, where the governors, uh, the governor of Florida and um, really? the U.S. Virgin Islands have written in and said, we'd like to have a research reserve here. So really? in Florida, they're looking at the nature coast area hmm. and in Virgin Islands um, uh I think it's near the St. Croix area, but I'm not, again, okay. that's that's a, that's a kind of um, um, beyond the scope. But okay. right now we have two where NOAA, we're, we're waiting to hear a response from NOAA whether those will be put into the designation process formally. But okay. there's four right now. And I get phone calls all the time. <laughs> I know. No, but there are a lot of other local communities that are interested in, in designating a reserve. And certainly... In this um, broader understanding about setting aside land for protection, it's a priority, um, you know, for for dealing with climate change and for um, you know providing you know, more uh, uh, more I guess sense of belonging, greater uh, community um, uh, availability to these public open space areas. Uh, it's it's definitely consistent with I think a lot of the thinking of the nation now and what needs to happen mm-hmm. while we still can protect areas. Fantastic. So, if I'm a university uh, administrator or a nonprofit coastal kind of group uh, or uh, you know in the governor's office, and uh, you know kind of looking to explore maybe a reserve uh, creation in your state or region or area. Um, not a bad idea to give you a call, right? To call up Rebecca Roth, the executive director of the Eshwin Research Reserve Association. How can how can do you engage with these communities? You help them understand it. What what's your uh, what's your role in bringing these things forward? So my role is really um, just good public service. When people ask me, can you explain what a reserve does? Can you talk to me um, about the research reserve mm-hmm. system? I provide them with as much information as I can. Um, you know, I don't. Um, you know, I don't have a. <laughs> I, I I don't have a, a, a. I guess a role in in any of it in terms of designating the site officially. Correct. But I. Right. I but I gladly give my time um, and effort to local nonprofits and to uh, state agencies or universities that say, can you help me better understand what a reserve does? And, and I know the same is true for my colleagues at office for coastal management as well. So this is all, um, you know, kind of a starting point of conversations. You know, it's, I think when you see the benefits again, you know, um, economically, socially, and, and what they're able to do within communities, uh, you know, of course, it, of course, it's of interest. So, so that's kind of where it starts, and it really depends on you know uh, the local energy and the desire and meeting the criteria. There's actually very specific, um, you know, uh, regulations around what places, what estuaries should be designated, and so that's probably beyond my pay grade. But I can point them to all of those resources, and they can see do they fit the criteria and in complementing this national program because really the goal is to serve the nation with you know more information and you know resources to deal and manage with the changing of our you know great lakes and coastal areas well i have a few uh closing thoughts just real quickly rebecca one is um, i'm very proud uh both of us as uh, native Californians to, to look over there at, <laughs> That's right. at the big old golden state sporting, I believe three uh, mm-hmm. reserves uh, we're tied with Florida. So uh, <laughs> governor Newsom, uh, you're going to need to send a letter in and request a new one. Cause we're not going to let Florida get four. <laughs> well, we've only got three. I'm going to tell you that right now. Uh, in addition to that, I'm looking at the map and Rebecca, uh, the great lakes. I'm really excited to hear about the Wisconsin because mm-hmm. uh, there are two uh, reserves mm-hmm. right now in the Great Lakes, and I would mm-hmm. love to see. I mean, there are five Great mm-hmm. Lakes. I would love to see yeah. uh, more estuary uh, research reserves set up on the Great Lakes system. I think there's a lot of energy up there right now. I know mm-hmm. NOAA is focusing on uh, that region, and I just 
I would just love. To, I know that uh, Helen Broll, our, our host of North Coast Chronicles, would be yeah. just delighted. Oh my to have some uh, reserves up there. Yeah, she's a Laker. Hails from the Lake Erie area, and so yeah. No, well, there is one down. In, there is one in 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 Lake Erie. The Old Woman Creek National Estuarine Research Reserve looks like. That's right. But uh, I do have to say, I, I just you know wonder. Help us understand um, when you're up on Capitol Hill and you're talking to. Uh, elected officials who are going to be making budget decisions and investment decisions and you're talking mm-hmm. about this awesome program that you know I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of what do the naysayers say I mean what 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 are the obstacles that you run into I mean I know that money's finite but uh, mm-hmm. my god mm-hmm. it's such a good investment what what are the obstacles here you know I haven't um, I haven't worked with any naysayers to be honest with you um, you know across party lines people love the research reserve system and what they do um, this is strong strongly supported bipartisan um, and so so that's that's really helpful I will tell you in 2016 um, Congress when they uh, passed the appropriations law they asked for a blue ribbon panel study to um, to look at growth of the reserve system um, to really evaluate is it is it being successful and how big is it going to get and can you give us more yeah. um, you know some understanding are you just going to come with your hand out every time somebody um, some community wants to designate yet another reserve and so uh, that that panel report came out in 2017 hmm. um, and it identified areas for growth. And it talked about um, the strengths of the program, like the coastal training program, like the monitoring and and research uh, that occurs. Um, and we used to laugh, I have to say, and say, well, you know, that the reserve system was was the best kept secret, and it's no longer really a secret. You know, two thousand and twenty one no, just blew that out not, of the water yeah, with people using these places and all the designation um, requests coming in. So, um, so Congress is you know, is doing a great job at, at keeping this in check and saying, well, how big are we growing and what's the priorities? Because, you know, the Coastal Zone Management Act includes all 35, you know, coastal states, Great Lakes, territories, um, commonwealths, et cetera. So it, it is, yeah, it, it is big. looking, you know, more broadly. And, um, and the reserves aren't everywhere in every state, right? So they have regional focuses and they work together regionally. Like in the case of Connecticut, you'll see, you know, it caucusing with the with the with the New England reserves and probably doing some joint research there, I would expect over time. But it, it really um, it's really not been an, an issue of anybody, any congressional office that I'm aware of saying this isn't a good idea they seem to love the program and everybody seems to be surprised at how much it does um you know for so little but it it really um it's it's an army of four uh 400 plus employees around the country well now with the davidson fellows added on to that you know mid 400s i would say that are really you know doing it every day you know the ambassadors you know for the the program at their local communities and making it super relevant and applicable to what's needed in those local communities. And I think Congress gets that. I mean, they care about the people in their communities, the mm-hmm. traditions of fishing and hunting and using the land and, you know, economic benefits. I mean, all of that matters. And um, the kids, you know, every seventh grader getting educated in the three counties around the Virginia Research Reserve. I mean, this is all things that, yeah. you know, they care about, you know, uniformly so it's been um there there aren't any naysayers but as i like to say a budget is a statement of your values and it's really hard to kind of always make sure that we're in the budget and you know that it's getting paid for in the way that it needs to to continue the growth um that you know the blue ribbon panel certainly pointed out is necessary and needed and wanted um you know but it's tough there's a lot of competing demands Man, that's true. And you just got to, it's the best bang for the buck in the federal government. There are about 450 salaried people in the, in, that operate these reserves. It's $42 million a year, Tyler. They're just, given the impact and the reach and the, the return in terms of community engagement, understanding, people love to go to these reserve systems. These are not uh, areas where you don't have access. It's all about 
the yeah. public accessing it, getting in the marshes, being in kayaks, going on hiking and tours and things. And it's just, and the research arm of it. It's the, it really is damn best, uh, best, best but, deal in the federal government. You know, for me, and I, I agree, and I'm, I'm glad that that blue ribbon panel yeah. came back with what they did, and I'm not freaking surprised. But uh, to bring this back to my old basketball critique about analytics versus just feeling it, these spaces are inspirational, I think, to be in. They remind us of natural systems and how resilient natural systems can be. And yeah. we have a lot to learn just from ex exposing ourselves to the natural environment. And I think that the pandemic really brought that to life. Um, and uh, pulling our, our faces out of our screens a little bit between yeah. Zoom meetings and yeah. uh, getting out into yeah. real the real natural world around us as it is changing, as it is it has been changing our whole lives. You yeah. know, news break, climate change didn't just start when we right. started to all acknowledge it. It was happening for our entire <laughs> lives. And so it's a whole new relationship with our environment and our planet. And I think that these... Uh, 30 reserves so far are in a tremendous bang for your buck, Peter. And I bet our children, our ancestors will look back and yep. be very proud that we have built these things up. And uh, I bet there will be many more of them. I hope so. And just a, just a quick a quick um, footnote, um, Peter, you know, you said that 450 employees, I mean, these are state employees, they're not federal employees. Uh, but the, the key to the reserves is that they are trusted members of the community, I right? See. They live in these communities, you know, they it, like they're not going anywhere and, and people trust you know, that the research is going to be, um, you know, what they need. It's not going to be political science. I mean, they really, um, you know, this is, this comes from showing up and, and being part of the solution. And, and so I just think there's that value too, as much as, you know, NOAA science is brought in, um, it is really locally generated and it's a partnership and, and being a trusted member of the community is not a small point. Man. 100% ladies and gentlemen it is Rebecca Roth she is the executive director of the National Estuarine Research Reserve Association a key player in the management I would say Tyler the second best idea in America because we know that the first best idea is the national park system and the second best idea mm -hmm. in America is the National Estuarine Research Reserve Association and so uh, Rebecca thanks for taking time and congratulations to you and all of the estrogen research reserve folks about the uh, the latest addition to the uh, reserve family the connecticut national estrogen research reserve in long island sound what a cool thing we're so happy to learn about it with you today thank you so much thanks to everyone i really appreciate the time Birds on the lawn, sun, light, dawn, singing